cult cinema catacombs. These films exist. And now, here are your hosts, Roy Buckingham and Andrew Farmer. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to Cult Cinema Catacombs. Um, it is February, and the Winter Olympics are going on right now. In, yeah, for better or for worse, uh, under a lot of controversial uh, reasons. So this is a movie I've been wanting us to tackle for a while now. And I figured, well, you know, since we are actually in the Olympics right now, let's go ahead and do it now. Uh, we're going to be tackling the 1980 animated television film, Animal Olympics. Now, you were telling me that you are not familiar with this. I don't know how. Like, it, it's... <laughs> I'm sure that just like Dot and the Kangaroo, they ran this piece of shit for uh, forever on TV. Um, and I don't know how I, wa- I wasn't because it's right in prime time for me to sit my ass down and watch cartoons. So, <laughs> uh, Well, this was originally actually commissioned by NBC to be a series of shorts uh, to run during the Olympics. Uh, however, the plug got pulled on it because the Olympics at the time were going to be in Russia. And oh, okay. So, yeah, here they were. They they were completed for this. And, in fact, uh, one of the portions of it that was set in the Winter Olympics was even nominated for an Oscar for Best Animated Short. So NBC's like, hey, wait, what, what are we going to do with this thing? So... <laughs> exactly what, what they did for that Wizard of Oz bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so... It never got a theatrical release at all because they said you know they because they said you know what well we had a backup plan just in case something happened anyway the, the the creators of the film and they made a film version of it instead of it being broken up in shorts like they originally had intended uh, the winter ones to play during the winter Olympics and the summer one to play during the summer Olympics. Um, however, they decided to distribute it uh, via cable. I think Warner Brothers was the ones who did the distribution for it, if I remember right. And it became a hit on cable television. See, I was right. So uh, because of that, uh, I mean, it it was on HBO and Showtime for a while. Then it got released on HBO. Then it became a perennial on the Disney Channel out of all places. And then it became, you know, this quasi semi hit. Uh, here's the thing with Animal Olympics. It is starring the voice cast of Billy Crystal, Gilda Radner, and Harry Shearer playing various characters. I'm, I'm sure you saw in that trailer, one of them is a variation of Barbara Walters. Surprise, yes. surprise. Um, the people who made this movie are actually people who were kind of known in the industry. Um, one of the creators of the film... Um, went on to create a, a, a little film called uh, Fern Gully, The Last okay. Rainforest. Um, okay. One of them also went on to uh, co-direct The Lion King, Roger Allers. Oh, really? Okay. Uh-huh. Um, another one was a little a little uh, animator by the name of Brad Bird. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and then another one who was the main director of the film, uh, his name is Steven Lisberger. Uh, he went on to create Tron for yeah. Disney. So, I mean, you got some names actually that's behind this project. 
And then um, if that wasn't enough, this is going to uh, tickle you here. Okay. The sound, the soundtrack to this movie. Oak Ridge Boys. No, uh, uh, the soundtrack was by Graham Gouldman from Yacht Rock Band 10CC. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so, so they had him do the music for this movie. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and you actually get to hear the man behind 10CC do a disco song in this movie when they go to uh, take a break at Noah's Ark's disco. Sure. I mean, why wouldn't it be Noah's Ark? <laughs> like I said, I haven't seen this, but three-fourths of it better be gymnasts in the dorm just straight banging. <laughs> See a snoat and a gecko, just a Russian snoat and a, you know, not, uh, no, hold on, a Fijian gecko. Yeah, I just want to see him going, just going. Well, it's funny you say that because one of the nicknames that this movie has jokingly got it has become the Furry Olympics. It uh, looks like it. <laughs> because of how sexualized oh. all of the animal characters are. 100%. <laughs> watch fact, there is a trailer that you can watch, and I, I, I'm, I'm wondering if we can talk Roy into cutting the audio into the show here, because uh, it, it's worth it. Um, but... Every animal in there, yeah, that animal gets that animal gets it. I'm telling you. Well, I mean, like I guess a prime example of how hypersexualized it is, um, and I can't wait to hear your reaction to this. Is is one of the main plot lines in the um, in the story, which is the the one uh, which is the giant marathon that happens, and the the two main racers in this marathon are uh renee fromage which is a goat from france sure get as, it as you fromage will. goat goat cheese yeah. um and then a female african um i think she's a puma or something i can't remember what animal she's supposed to be but her name is kit mambo and she has Playboy quality hooters. Let's just say that. Um, and when she's running, they bounce. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. You will see. They are perky and bouncy when she's running. And so you have that, plus also, you know, all the, the, the stuff with the gymnastics and the skiing and the skating and all the other hypersexualization that's going on, the swimming otter and everything. Um, this film plus Disney's Robin Hood are seen as two birthplaces for the furry movement for a lot of people. <laughs> it's, an, it's an awakening film. Yes. Yeah. How many definitely. Pinocchios does it have in it? <laughs> No, no little boys made out of wood, but I'm sure that it gave some little boys some uncomfortable wood, and they couldn't understand why when they watched it. That's probably it, so. true. That's probably true. <laughs> it's Paul Shore approved. <laughs> I'm actually shocked. Like I said, that um, you know, because we're around the same age, I'm actually shocked you're not familiar with this one because I could have sworn that your reaction when you heard your, that we were going to be watching Animal Olympics was, "Oh God, I don't want to revisit this movie." <laughs> <laughs> no, my my reaction was, what is this? 
Yeah. Like, yeah. And so I'm excited to see it because I haven't seen it, you know, probably because there are, you know, Puma boobs in it. My mom wouldn't let me watch it. <laughs> Puma boobs. There we go. That's that's the key word for this episode. Puma boobs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what events do they like? Is there any doping scandals? Um <laughs> No, the things I remember from this movie is, of course, you know, the the, the main marathon story. That's that's a major storyline of this is the marathon. Okay. Um, there's also some sub stories, uh, some some subplots about um, a skier who gets lost when he's trying to prepare for the Swalom event, and he manages to find Dogrela. That happens at the Olympics. Yes. Okay. So. So so when he gets lost trying to prepare for the ski event, he discovers the dog version of Shangri-La. <laughs> so that happens. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that's accurate, but OK. <laughs> we also have a subplot concerning a gymnastic uh, ferret who is a total parody of Nadia Comaneci. <laughs> um, Are there any? Like, is an otter a high diver that cracks his head open on the board and they have nothing, to cut to commercial? No, nothing like no. that. No Greg Luganis? No, nothing nothing like that. No Greg Luganis moment. But we do have a parody of Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> the Olympic perennial event, Saturday <laughs> Night Fever. Yes, because there is, there is a uh, track and field alligator who talks exactly like John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever. And they even steal a plot point from Saturday Night Fever for his story. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, and we've also got I mean, we got parodies of other Olympic athletes like Dorothy Hamill. Uh, we get a parody of her. Um, we get a parody of Howard Cosell. Um, we got we get a really a, we got a we get a bulldog that fat shames everybody. Yes, he does. Yeah. he. There's a lot of fat shaming with that bulldog character. Uh, we get a parody of Mark Spitz. Uh, I think we get a pair. I can't remember, but I think we get a parody of Bruce Jenner in this. I'm not too sure. Uh, but I remember the Mark Spritz one very strongly. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then we got also a couple of other, like, you know, sometimes when they do the cutaways about here's what's going on at the Olympic village, you know, we have stuff like that that happens in the movie and just for the hell of it, musical numbers. Okay. <laughs> All crammed into a nice package that's one hour and 14 minutes long. I'm ready for this. <laughs> Are you sure? I mean, our no. luck with children's movies on this show has no, been, no, you we know. Have not had, we have not had solid luck with kids' movies yet, so maybe this will break the uh, cycle. Then again, then again, the kids' movies that we've not done on that the, the kids' movies that we've done on this show has not also caused, you know, spring awakenings in people, sure. so... <laughs> They're they're showing up to the uh, to the uh, Crown Point Plaza trying to get me in an elevator with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 No yiffing and uh, dot and the kangaroo. Thank God. So. Oh God. Now you're. Come on, man. Now. Now I'm just gonna have nightmares. <laughs> You've now planted. What the. What the food of knowledge, knowledge is. My brain and I. They go out to the they go out to the pond. It's just a, a pile, just this pile of otters. He's like, come on, John, you can come in. It's fine. You get the food and knowledge. Just open your mouth. It's all good. Get the, 
Get the fruit of knowledge and you you can get in this platypus pussy. Let me sing this weird song while you're in the tree. Don't <laughs> you scarred me so badly. The, like, one of the one of one of the one of the animals comes and says, "Let me show you my bunyip." <laughs> oh God, you've you've destroyed me as a person. I just need you to know that. Like, I wasn't the same person three years ago as I am today. That's a, that's a fact, man. <laughs> Maybe I showed Dot and the kangaroo too early in the show. That I had faith in the world and humanity, and. Then this happened, and then I do, I don't I don't anymore I don't anymore <laughs> don't anymore I watch this for I watch this stuff for fun now. That's <laughs> what I do now. Uh, well, let's see if this thing can out top a, um, a a train dick. So <laughs> it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it won't. Nothing will. It's fine. Good Togo truck. I hope you're listening. <laughs> Son of bitches. All right, gang. We'll be right back once we have experienced the nightmare that is Animal Olympics. Is it Animal? Is it Animal Olympics? No, it's Animal An- a- Animal Olympics. It's Animal Olympics. Animal Olympics. Try saying that five times fast. I wish it was Animal Olympics. I think it'd be better. Note, I'm going to send a note to Brian Bird about the name of this thing. <laughs> we should send a note to Brad Bird asking why. <laughs> why, did, why did you make the Puma sexy? <laughs> That's a shirt idea. If you're listening and you're going to make it shirt, so you want to make a why did, why'd you make the Puma sexy shirt, feel free. Feel free. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gang, we'll be right back. From the heights of Mount Animalympus, the plane begins its journey through the four corners of the animal kingdom, bringing with it drama, joy, and sorrow, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. You're looking at Animal Olympic Island, setting for its first Animal Summer Games. Farther, faster, furrier, the motto of the competing continents of these first games. And now, live via satellite, Animal Olympics. Presented by ZOO, the network that brings out the beast in sports. Victory, Viva la Victory. And it's the original Olympic event? I don't know. Just look at these waves. The way I see it, the only thing between Dean and the gold is the 190 tons of Oh No No No, the great Asian champion. 46 seconds, not bad for Fatso. Centering pass to Schmecker. Bicycle shot, score! 4.5. Is that her score or the reading on the Richter scale? Hey, man. They're going. 
talk all about the cheetah titties. Okay. God, I swear. Um, so this, again, you said this was your first time watching Animalifics, you said, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, this is my first ever time watching that movie. Um, thoughts? <laughs> you know, no. <laughs> I would love to say yes, here's some thoughts, but honestly, I don't have a lot. It, it wasn't great. You know, um, which seems to be kind of the theme every time we do a, a something that is aimed towards like wholesome family children entertainment on the show. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't horrible. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but it also wasn't great. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, it it was pretty drab with some exceptions like the, like we the aforementioned cheetah titties uh the uh insinuating racism that permeated all oh out god there was so much in this i mean i mean we've got the the asian penguin gymnast named bruce yakamoto with uh some of his uh signature moves called me washi you facey yeah and the, yeah. Si- well, and, the and the threatening say you punky yeah, the, just just that kind of thing, and you know, and just every nationality got theirs. Mm-hmm. The Calamari for, brothers. It's, I think, except for the United States, nobody's shocked by that. Of course, although for the United States, we did get a John Travolta uh, Saturday Night Fever stereotype with uh, the alligator, which oh, oh yeah. I was just like, yeah, that's 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 something to do. You think of a, an alligator who was born as a handbag, as they said in the movie. Um, yeah, you, what you, what was that like? <laughs> like what? So my okay. So for question number one is, what are we? What world are we supposed to believe this exists in? Is it an animal? Is it an animal? Is it an anthropomorphic animal world? I think it's the because furry's imagination. It completely negates the need for an Olympics. If an if an alligator can be born as a handbag and then become an anthropomorphic alligator, I don't think we need an Olympics. That alone means there's a level of magic and wonder to this world that an Olympics can never capture. <laughs> yeah, there's th- this this movie leaves uh, so many questions. Indeed, I mean, because so I do have. I, listen, the only I have a big one. As it pertains to what I just said. Yeah. There is a scene in the movie as the cheetah titties and the weird goat that is definitely at least bi, right? Let's just be real about this. Um, I is French, so yeah. I should know. Um, Let's say they're falling in love. First of all, their crotches explode at one point, which is weird. Like and they're they're thinking about each other and this is a kids thing and their crotches explode. Um, <laughs> that happens. It happens real fast, but it does happen. But yeah, then they he get goes horny for each other sequence. fast. What's they, that? They get horny for each other they fast. Uh, but there's a sequence where he's having a uh, a very uh, ennui esque French cinema uh, <laughs> the, fantasy the, sequence. The Fellini moment. Yeah, his Fellini moment. Um, his life is beautiful moment, um, and uh, 
He's running through, I'm going to guess, Paris. I'm going to guess. But there are a mix of human beings (laughs) and anthropomorphic animals. It's the only time we see human beings. Yeah, because they're throwing flowers at him and everything. And yeah. is this world exist in a world in which human beings exist and we just don't see them? <laughs> is there a caste system we need to be aware of? Is this a Dr. Moreau situation? Or, and even more troubling, Roy, is he fantasizing about anthropomorphic people the way that we fantasize about anthropomorphic animals? <laughs> Are people his furries? Are people his furries, Roy? See, the, the, the people the people in this world have, like, you know, the goat eyes and the cloven hooves and uh, <laughs> and walk on all fours. <laughs> yeah, that whole sequence, I mean, I mean if, if the sequence alone is just bizarre. And then you've got, you know, the music of 10cc. Which was, yeah. I, <laughs> going over it as well. Listen, 10CC got experimental with this soundtrack. <laughs> Especially the, the, the Noah's Ark disco scene. It's like, we're going to do a disco song and we're going to have um, some skunks do some disco dancing with... Uh, um, I was going to say they straight up kill some animals <laughs> in this, but maybe they don't. If you can be handbag and then become and then go live in the sewer and then become an Olympic athlete, then maybe... It doesn't matter whether you kill an animal or not. Yeah. Nothing is real. I, I will say one thing about this. Uh, Except for nationality and how much you weigh. Those are the only thing that are real. I was sorry to say, in, in this world, there's a lot of fat shaming because I lost count on how many fat jokes. Oh, so in many. this thing. I mean, especially during the gymnastics scene. There was just, um, like, when... Um, the hippo who did the uh, the pole vault, uh, which is with a, a a real horse who gets this look of concern when it happens, and then she gets the score of four point five, and they cut to that bulldog who I who's got like Bruce Jenner smile, and says, "Was that her score or the reading on the Richter scale?" <laughs> I'm just like, damn, it was rough. I don't. Like, I don't. Um, I don't know that anybody should watch this. I can't really see a reason for it to exist in the world. <laughs> Such and, a jarring disposition to the other thing that we watched this month mm-hmm. to New York Ninja. Here's here's my other question, is because I I get some of the uh, celebrities that they were re- you know doing parodies of with these animals like. Barbara Walters is obviously Barbara Walters. The the turkey that uh, Billy Crystal was doing was obviously Howard Corsell. Uh, I, I don't know why they went with a Scotty for Pele. Yeah. That was an interesting choice. Um, we had the but, Miracle on Ice, too. But, yeah. it was, but it was Canada. Yes. They did the Miracle on Ice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They they made fun of Dorothy Hamill with the the flamingo. How do you think Barbara Walters feels? <laughs> I mean, I I think she felt okay. No, but I mean, you think not about think about her in not even just this movie, which by the way could be the biggest insult 
to her of all time because <laughs> it was an animated Barbara Walters ostrich. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just in general, like in the eighties, it was just like, let's make fun of Barbara Walters speech impediment all the time. Yep. <laughs> just like, she, do you think she just sat at home? Like you sons of bitches just constantly. <laughs> the but one, anyway. the one character I'm trying to figure out it, who, who they're supposed to be making fun of is Brenda Springer. Which one was Brenda Springer? She, she was, was the, the po- she was the poodle that looked like she was about ready to jump out of the cornfield on Hee Haw. I don't know who she was trying to make fun of. The only thing I could think of is Barbie Benton or something. <laughs> I don't yeah, I don't know. because I'm like I'm, I was like I'm looking at her and I'm like I don't get who you're supposed to be and it's like even like the the turtle announcer who is obviously supposed to be Walter Mondale. Yeah, um, you know he's at they, one point listen, gets horny over her too, and I'm like, who is she supposed to be? Listen, there was, and I, I think I'm—I don't think I'm out of line saying this. There was a lot of cocaine <laughs> well, involved 80s. in the creation yeah. of this. You can just 90s. tell. You could just the ideas that were coming out of this that they thought were good enough to it, it was rock. It was uh, it was Mother Goose's rock and rhyme all over again. <laughs> Dogra Law. The Dogra Law oh, segment what was that? came out of nowhere. What I mean, I mean, we we had we had the Dogra Law moment that just comes out of nowhere. We've got the reference to the six million dollar man that comes out of nowhere. Um, and then if that was enough, then we get the what the exactly hell is going on sequence that was the fencing segment. Oh, oh yeah. The- <laughs> The judo fencing segment with a with a chipmunk and a rooster and uh, a warthog. I'm gonna say it was a warthog. Yes. Well, I don't understand this. Like at some point, they literally like it started out like I thought it would start. Right? It started out like a cartoon meant to draw kids into watching the Olympics because it's on. You know, your parents are watching it. You want to grab the kids' attention because I guarantee you're showing commercials for. I don't know, Barbie and Cheerios or whatever you're doing. Um, and you want the kids. So you, you, you run these little, you know, these little things over the period, over the course of the Olympics, it's the narrative you want to watch because you want to see who, how the race ends up. And then they just, all the cocaine went in all the noses. <laughs> and then you get, then you there get are, stuff like Italy's, the Calamari brothers, bobsledding. And well, I was going to say the, uh, the the hundred meter dash or whatever that was where they turned into drag racing they're <laughs> transformers they're animorphs at that point I don't even like we're four levels deep into the well, I I think at one point matrix I think at one point though it goes from cocaine to peyote because during the one hundred meter dive when the oh the, yeah when the surfer dude does his dive you know when 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 uh, Matthew McConaughey does his dive. <laughs> He was so mad at Matthew McConaughey. All of a sudden, it becomes, you know. Wouldn't that have been Sean Penn then? (laughs) Fast Times at Ridgemont High, yeah. Considering, like, the time it came out, wouldn't. (laughs) Yeah, definitely a a Stolowski moment. Um, But, yes, all of a sudden, it became Yellow Submarine during that segment. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it is a weird, it is a, 
It is not the weirdest cartoon that we've watched on this no. show. But it's the it is the first cartoon we've ever had a uh, killer whale by the name of Ono uh, Yono Ono. Yeah, that racism. It might be the most casually racist, acceptably <laughs> racist cartoon that we've watched on this show, and that is a high mark anyway. So yeah. good good for you guys. <laughs> what are they gonna do with all these nationalities? I got an idea. <laughs> Let's just make it as racist as possible. Oh, that's a great idea. You know what people love? Pigeon accents. You saw My Fair Lady. You saw uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Let's just do that. Let's make everyone talk Asian the way that they talked Asian during 1970s Hollywood squares. That's right. And <laughs> just... And, and we'll also do the same for Italian and French and whatever other nationality that's not American. <laughs> oh, God. So so, uh, can, so can you recommend this? No, no. <laughs> I can't even finish saying it. If it, was, <laughs> if it was weirder, I would, just because it's weirder. If it was better, I would, just because it's better. But it just doesn't pull, you know, Harry Shearer is interesting, like hearing, being able to pick out his voice. You know, some of the voice acting stuff was interesting to be able to pull those voices out. Um, but it just, no, I can't. I can't recommend it. The only the only positive thing I think I could say about this movie is that it's short. Yeah. <laughs> it's only an hour and ten minutes long, so it's short. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and to think, to think that before they decided to release this as a full-length movie and, you know, they were planning on doing it just as animated shorts to air during the Olympics, they compiled the winter portion together and it got nominated for an Oscar for Best Animated Short. Yeah, what is... (laughs) I mean, all right, but still, like, mm, no, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I, I can't either. Yeah, no. No, that's not. It is, it, I, I'm glad that we watched it just because of the, I really do think in some ways it had to have been influential to, to certain people in awakening certain things inside of them that they didn't know they had. I don't oh, think yeah. we were far off in that. So let, let's let's give credit where credit is due there. But I don't think I don't think I can recommend it in any kind of you know, a solid, real way as no. something that people should watch. No, I can't either, to be no. honest with you. Yeah, so there you have it, folks. <laughs> it was by far not the worst thing that we watched. I will say that. <laughs> Definitely. We're looking at you, Premutos. Uh, oh, <laughs> we're, looking at, we're looking at you, Dot and the Kangaroo. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're going to compare apples to apples when it comes to animation, I think Dot and the Kangaroo is probably the safest the safest comparison, and it wasn't as bad as not in the kangaroo. Yeah. So, um, M- March, April, and May is <laughs> yes. our tribute to Clint Howard. We're, yes. we're, we're doing a lovely, we're, we're, we're basically wrapping up the third season with doing a tribute to Clint Howard. And I've chosen three Clint Howard films to watch during this time period, and you are choosing three Clint Howard films to watch during this period. Well, I'm choosing various um, Clint Howard uh, properties for us to watch. Let's say that. 
Alrighty. So why don't we tell the audience what Clint Howard property you chose for the month of March? I'm pulling it up for us now because I don't have the exact um, the exact thing. So I'm, I'm sorry about that vamp and shit. I don't know. Let me find it. <laughs> um, and for those who haven't listened to the um, the New York Ninja episode, for, first of all, shame on you. Uh, second of all, go listen to the New York Ninja episode so you can hear us talk about it because it's that awesome. And three, um, I revealed on there that the movie I chose was The Wraith, uh, also starring Charlie Sheen and Sherilyn Fenn. And, Which uh, is just one of my favorite <clears throat> movies of all time. So oh, what, I, what, what I love is, is that the, the Wraith is such a fun film, but it's like you look at the cast and you've got, you got uh, Charlie Sheen, problematic. Sherilyn Fenn, she's become problematic. You have Randy Quaid. Just very red flags all over the place. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm ready now. So, so what is your choice for us to watch in the month of March? So I figured if we were going to cover Clint Howard, we're gonna get a lot. So I wanted to pick something shorter. Number one. Number two. If we're going to be covering kind of the width and breadth of Clint Howard, I thought maybe we should start at the beginning. And I asked you early on whether you had Paramount Plus. You said you did. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna go. We're gonna take a jump back in time to 1966. Oh God, we are doing Gentle Ben, aren't we? No, we are doing the Corbinite maneuver. Oh my God, we're doing Star. <laughs> we're doing Trek. baby space alien Clint Howard. <laughs> well, even Trek, if I didn't have the Paramount original Plus. series, even if I didn't have Paramount Plus, I have the original series on Blu-ray. Yeah, so we are I'm- watching. We are 100% watching the Corvette Maneuver, my favorite episode of the original series of Star Trek, because baby Clint Howard acting like a psychopath is something that everyone should see. It was the origins of what his career would be. I wanted to go to the origins, and that's what we're doing. Nice. I, I'm all for watching the carbonite, the carbonite effects of the carbonite, the carbonite effect. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. So, awesome. <laughs> Quite the double feature: the wraith and an episode of Star I mean, Trek. Just an episode of Star Trek. That's. I wanted to do something. We're gonna get a lot of it. So I figured I might as well front load it with what I feel is the best performance that Clint Howard ever gave. See, I was wondering if you were gonna like throw Gentle Ben out of nowhere because I, n- I remember we joked about it. I was no, like, oh, I was like, ben. I don't know that you're ready for my suggestion because it is fantastic. All right, giant baby Clint Howard, here we come. <laughs> Baylock, giant baby Clint Howard, Star Trek: The Corbinite Maneuver. That's where I want to start my journey with Clint Howard. Nice. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting journey, Clint Hour. We've got some fun stuff lined up here for uh, the next three months. So strap on in, folks. Um, and thank you very much for tuning in onto this episode. Again, if you haven't heard our New York Ninja episode, go back and listen to it. Believe me, you're going to love it. And uh, again, you can find us on uh, Twitter at These Films Exist. We're on the uh, Google Podcast Network and the Audible Podcast Network now. And. Uh, also, I have, uh, along with uh, Mike Gonzalez, relaunched Homos on Horror, uh, which You've is... You've been busy. 
yeah, I've been busy. So yeah, we're we're back on. Um, actually, we're back on uh, iTunes. So you could find Homos on Horror at iTunes. Right now, what we're doing is we're going back in time and looking at all the horror films that have been released from our year of birth all the way to present, and dissecting our favorites. So we, that's going to be a fun little journey there. And I've also got side projects that are going to be. Uh, going on with the show here and there like i've got uh some queer heavy metal artists who are signed up so we could talk about uh, heavy metal horror and stuff and uh going to see if i could actually try to get rick gonzalez onto the show so we could talk about disney's attempt at horror and um got all sorts of plans with that one nice excellent all righty gang uh we will see you in march with um the uh, us talking about Star Trek for the first time on this show. <laughs> That's weird. Yes. You would have expected that to come up before now. I would never expect us talking about Star Trek on this show. So. All <laughs> right. Well, Clint Howard and I to star in the Corbomite Maneuver in 1966, <laughs> then we wouldn't have to worry about it. <laughs> All right, gang. We'll see you next month. Talk to you later. Bye.